Great Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bullets, and welcome back to the first Sunday of Advent for the week of November 28th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and happy new church year. This is the beginning of a new church year. This is the beginning of the year of Luke in year C, and it's an exciting time. It's in a great anticipation as we are in these beginning days of preparing ourselves for Christmas. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be preparing ourselves for the coming of Christ? Being preparing ourselves for the gift that is why we gather and recognizing that Christ coming into the world changed our lives forever. And so that's this, how do we prepare for that? Is this something that we do corporately, individually, both? It's something that is such a fun part of the year. And this is one of my favorite times of the church year is thinking about these things, digging into these concepts, trying to figure out with anticipation, how do we do that? How do we prepare ourselves for that? And I know one of the ways to prepare ourselves for that is looking back at last week's Twitter question, which was, are we as a people willing to recognize and acknowledge a kingdom greater than ourselves? And I think this is a really great question looking back in hindsight for the week of Thanksgiving. A lot of times Thanksgiving, especially coming from the United States, we love really looking at Black Friday and fast forwarding to Christmas and looking at a lot of the consumeristic side of things. Whereas when we sit back and think about it, to even have something like that, we have to be able to acknowledge and recognize the people who make that happen who are ourselves. And I think Thanksgiving is a time where we try to slow down and try to recognize that, try to recognize the blessings that are happening around us, trying to recognize how that all comes into place. And then when we start recognizing that, we start realizing at a much greater level how the kingdom of God, and we're such a small part of that, is all doing that. How it's dependent upon each other to be able to work and function and operate. That it is an ebb and flows and balancing of different things that makes the ecosystem work. And how well do we recognize that and acknowledge that is something that we should be considering. So let's just jump into it this week. One of the things that I am excited about with this is we only have four readings this week, which makes it a lot easier on me. So let's just jump into it. The Old Testament text this week is out of Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 to 16. This to me just screams Advent so much. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, that I will fulfill the promise that I made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Remember that the kingdom of Israel at this point has kind of been split. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring out for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name in which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. That's the whole text. This prophecy, this foretelling of what is to come. And being on this side of the cross, we know what this is referencing. We know that this is referencing Jesus and what this is all coming to be, the anticipation of this. The psalm this week then that goes along with that is Psalm 25 verses 1 to 10. 
This is recognizing, one, how high and mighty God is, and that in a lot of ways, it's something that we should be contemplating and how do we give praise to God and acknowledging in a lot of ways that we are not worthy of that. Two, to then be asking for forgiveness in the ways that we are not worthy, the ways that we fall short, and that when we are falling short, how God is trying to steer us to paths of where God is trying to steer us, trying to help us grow, to understand where we are falling short so that we can do better. And understanding in that, that we're trying to do it in a humble way so that our lives reflect in a way that Christ is able to be shown through us to be an example for others. It's a real fun little psalm this week. The New Testament reading this week is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 to 13. And I really like how this just even starts. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? What an amazing way and almost a prayer that we get in that how because of what Christ did for us and allowing us to have a more direct pathway to Christ, how wonderful that really is that we are able to have that. It's such an amazing thing. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 21 verses 25 to 36. This is an interesting thing because in a lot of ways, it's Jesus here nearing the end of his ministry foretelling what is going to happen, foretelling his death and what that is going to mean, and then using some parables here for us to recognize that there is a lot of distress in the world and things around us, which, boy, does that sound relatable to the world in which we're in now. And people will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the earth, for the powers of heavens will be shaken. Then they will say, the Son of Man is coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up, raise your hands, because your redemption is drawing near. And then it gives this parable of look at the fig trees and how they will sprout leaves and that we know that because that's happening, that summer is near. And then we get this passage that gets reused a lot. So I'm going to give it a little bit of additional context here. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your heart may not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place to stand before the Son of Man. So this very apocalyptic type text, fitting into some of the themes that we've kind of had, how we've had a lot of text out of the book of Revelation the last few weeks, but also this idea of how there should be anticipation for what is coming. And yet we're also needing to be prepared for that. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug full. 
Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help me prepare for bringing you this podcast and getting some different perspectives from some great biblical minds and people who study this stuff for a living. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it, but I'd also recommend checking out the library coming from Vanderbilt edu the revised common lectionary is what i use on a weekly basis to be able to bring you the text i also really enjoy that there's a lot of art and different things to be thinking about from a service perspective but also as a person who's in laity to be able to give me some different perspectives and ideas the art is really helpful to get perspective from multiple generations on how these texts have been looked at from all over the world and it's always really fun to look at so if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt.edu out of their library or workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend checking out both of these resources. Before we jump into the text, I think we first need to do a little bit of context. Advent is the four Sundays before Christmas. It's this time of preparation, like I said in the introduction, to prepare us for the coming of Christ as this child. And like I kind of mentioned again at the beginning, this how do we prepare? How do we prepare as an individual? How do we prepare as a group? And that's one of the things that I think a lot of times Advent is partially for us to be figuring out. Where is that preparation needing to happen? And we even see in these texts kind of the transition that goes on throughout the text. You have the Old Testament text preparing us that this will happen. The psalm helping us recognize that we are not worthy of this happening. The gospel text saying this is going to happen and be prepared for it. And 1 Thessalonians kind of being like, what a blessing this has been for us. Really interesting kind of sequence of readings to really show what a blessing Jesus really was. But I think part of it was the anticipation, the preparing for that. Realizing that in that preparation, there were times that we were fearful. Is God really going to fulfill the promises that God made? Is this really going to happen? How is this going to happen? How is all this craziness going to change? How is it going to be moved toward the better, toward what God is planning, is envisioning, is guiding us toward? And I couldn't think of anything better to think of with this than thinking about pregnancy. When we think about pregnancy, a lot of it is anticipation, preparation, things that take time. But you can ask any female who has gone through childbirth, it's a long time. It takes a lot of work and it puts a lot of strain on their body. They are creating another human inside of them. It's a small but yet very meaningful miracle that happens in front of us day after day. But yet, one of the things that we forget about is that the pregnancy that human beings go through is not the longest pregnancy that is out there. See, the typical pregnancy for a human is about 40 weeks or roughly about 280 days from fertilization to delivery is usually about 280 days. 
When you start looking within the animal kingdom, though, we have multiple animals that we're stretching it to a year, year and a half, and kind of the kingpin of the whole thing, for the most part, are elephants that carry their young for over 600 days. And if you study the behavior of elephants after that young is developed and given birth to, which a young baby elephant upon delivery is about 230 pounds, which I think is just amazing. That's a huge animal. But yet then they're also a case-selected species, which means that this is an animal that needs a little bit more parental care to be able to really develop into the animal that they are being developed into, right? That they are going to take more parental hands-on to really become this. And to really get into this, we're going to get into a little bit of some ecology ideas here. So stick with me. This might be a little complicated and I'll attach a video down below that will help you with understanding this a little bit more. But basically, in survivorship curves. So this is the amount of young that survive. And then what is the typical die off rate that goes through a species? Is it more of like a lot survive and then there's a slow decay toward the end of the life, which is more like humans where we have gotten to the point where most births are successful and that Yes, most people, at least in a developed country, are going to make it through their teenage years, and it's really going to be toward the end of life where the really decay of loss of life will happen. Vice versa, frogs are on the other end where they lay tons and tons and tons of eggs and very, very few even make it to an adult stage. But then when you do get to that adult stage, they have a decent chance of living out a longer life. That's type three. Humans are type one. And then there's a linear right down the middle that it's a fairly continuous loss of life that they're you're almost just as likely to not survive, to get to be a one-year adult, to living to three years. Like most songbirds, specifically robins, go through that type of survivorship curve. These types of survivorship curves generally help us to get to a point of understanding our selected species and case-selected species. Our selected species do really well in unstable environments, typically have smaller body sizes, early maturity times, can really have fast offspring. So thinking like rabbits, mice, things of that nature, more simple in quotes, simple body structures, simple development structures, simple dynamics for them to grow and typically aren't going to be living as long. It's a usually uh, shorter species. And again, less parent involvement that's going to be happening, thus easier to be able to have in an environment where a case selective species like humans or elephants, usually like a more stable environment, going to have long term growth, long life expectancies, big body sizes more typically. So there's more to develop, more to take care of and have a lot of parental care. Now, granted, this doesn't work for every species on the face of the planet. A great example of this would be sea turtles, where 
they go out, they lay their eggs, and then they leave, and the turtles have to figure it all out on their own. Very little parental involvement. Really, you could argue no parental involvement, but yet have long life expectancies. And you could even argue it by the genders. Male and female have different types of R-selected versus K-selected genes or more typical reactions within the environment. But again, it's us remembering that in a lot of these different animals, elephants being over 600 days, sperm whales being around 500 to 600 days to have their pregnancies, rhinoceroses about 450 days, giraffes 420 to 450 days, a donkey, we're looking at a solid year here, zebras again around that year mark, camels around that year mark is what we're looking at. And one of the other ones that I found really, really interesting, and again I'll attach some of these links down below, black alpine salamanders can have pregnancies that last two to three years depending on the altitude that they live at for how long it takes for these salamanders to develop to be able to grow. And so it's this anticipation and long drawn out processes to be able to understand how these animals grow and develop and K-selected species are really important for an environment because they help stabilize things. Like we talked about where an R selective does a little bit better in the chaos, you do like having some stability to be able to get toward more like some carrying capacities or the amount of a population that is able to be maintained within an ecosystem within a population. So looking at how that all works together. And then let's look at the text that we're looking at and thinking about the season which we're in. God makes this promise to the people of Israel that there is going to be the Savior that, especially in the Old Testament with how they're understanding things, they're interpreting as a king. And even Jesus gets called king. Like we heard last week with Jesus on trial with Pilate, kind of trying to distance himself from that image at that point. But yet we have all these image and what that's going to happen. And yet we even get these texts of like how this generation will not pass away without starting to see these things. And so we think this anticipation is happening quickly. And especially when we're looking at the Christmas season and how fast, in a lot of ways, we get busy. There's all these things going on. And so we get wrapped up into it and bang, it's suddenly here. And have we done the preparation that that takes? Look, look at these texts yet again. The days are surely coming when I'm going to fulfill this promise. And this is what's going to happen. And then the psalm tying in with that, like recognizing we are not worthy of this. We are not worthy to be blessed like this. And when this does happen, I pray that the Lord remembers that I have tried even though I fall short. The New Testament reading, almost the opposite of how what a blessing that this is that Christ was willing and able to do this for us to become so near to us and to not look at how we fall short, but realize that we are welcomed into this family despite our flaws. And Jesus then warning yet again that in all the chaos, I am still here, still be preparing for this. Trees prepare for the next season and you see that preparation that happens. Be prepared. Don't be caught off guard. How are we preparing? 
How are we getting ready for this? For this thing coming into our lives that changes things. Easter, yes, is the highest and most important holiday within the church year. But Christmas, I see as another 1A. Because without Jesus entering in, there is no Easter. Christ coming in and welcoming himself into human flesh and the limitations that that causes. What type of preparation did God go through for that? How are we preparing for this? How are we being prepared so that when this happens, that we are there and ready? That we have put in the time, the preparation. When a baby elephant is born, it's with that herd for 10 years at minimum. The preparation of the herd getting ready to train that adolescent, that juvenile, to teach them all the different paths where the different watering holes are, the times that they're going to have to protect that child from wandering too far, to making sure that that elephant knows how to protect itself. All these things that then also come after that, the preparation, the mental preparation, the psychological preparation, the things that that herd is going to have to do, the things that any parent has to do. To be prepared for something coming into the world that's going to have to fend for itself in some form, in some fashion. And can we help prepare it? How can we help in that process? When I look at these texts, I think the one other thing to make sure that we are pulling out is recognizing that we do fall short and acknowledging that. And acknowledging that we're not there yet and so that there must be still work to do. That preparation for that day when we are no longer here. So the work that that takes to prepare ourselves for that time. The ways that we are preparing ourselves so that Christ can use us to be seen out in the world. When you think about animals giving birth, all the different processes that go through. Thinking of a bird, a songbird, and all the preparation that that couple will do to prepare a nest for the eggs, for the process of gestation, of warming those eggs full that they hatch to bring on the whole next stage of feeding them to help them grow. Like this is a beginning of a process here. This is the beginning of the process of us preparing for Christ. And then the whole rest is us hearing and understanding what that and how that changes our lives. And again, if you ask any parent, your lives change with a child. So how are we preparing? Because there are plenty of others that take a longer time to prepare. And this text is reminding us that, yes, Christmas is less than 30 days away. And be prepared for that. But how are we also prepared for things much greater than that? How are we preparing ourselves so that God can use us? Us as individuals and us as a corporate group. Welcome to Advent and the deep questions that any question that can be directed to you as an individual can also be directed to you as a corporate group. So the tour question I have for you this week is how are you preparing? How are you preparing? And take that whatever way you want to take that. How are you preparing for Christ? How are you preparing for Christmas? How are you preparing for the next day? How are you preparing for next week? How are you preparing for the big job interview you have? How are you preparing for life? 
Last week, we think about that we went through Thanksgiving and we're thankful. How are we preparing for that next phase? To recognize that we have been thankful, we have been blessed, and recognizing that how am I going to use these blessings? On a side note, this is one of my favorite times of year. Not only because my birthday is in the middle of all this, but I feel like typically as I was growing up and Unfortunately, I feel like the culture has changed some, but I've always enjoyed the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas because it seemed like for a period of time, people were more thankful and more giving and more loving toward each other. And I think right now, especially when we're looking at these texts, remembering the love that God was willing and able to do to humble God's self to come in the form of a child for us, That means that, yes, we need to be prepared. We need to go through that process to be able to accept something like that. But I think we also need to make sure that we're able to love even when it's hard. And I know for myself, that's something that is a daily battle that I am still working on. You can ask my wife. I am not always perfect at that. But I think it's something that we all need to be remembering in this time, in this place, and in this season in which we're in where there's a lot of things that can cause us fear. It's remembering that God's still there. God's still with us in that preparation. So we need to then keep preparing. An elephant just isn't born the next day. An elephant takes time and so thus it takes preparation, not only for the mother, but for the herd. So then we need to be preparing as an individual and as a corporate group for what that means to us. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.